Welcome to the America's Quarterly Podcast. I'm Brian Winter. In today's episode, we'll do an overview of Paraguay, looking at why its recent presidential election matters to the rest of Latin America, how it fits into the growing U.S.-China competition, and why Paraguayan voters bucked a five-year-long regional trend by voting for more of the same. People prefer the status quo over the uncertainty. They know how to deal in their daily life with something they know. If the opposition and the other parties don't give them something that is certain, that is something consistent that feels right for their daily life, they are not going to win. I think that is what the Colorado Party gives them, stability. This is our 95th episode of the America's Quarterly Podcast. It's the first one we've done about Paraguay, a country of 6.7 million people that, truth be told, is something of a mystery even to its neighbors. But what happens in Paraguay matters, not only to the people who live there, of course, but for the rest of South America. It's an economy that has performed reasonably well in recent years, thanks in part to a boom in soy and other agricultural exports, as well as a stable macroeconomic framework, attracting plenty of immigrants from Brazil, Argentina, and even Chile, even as poverty and informality for many Paraguayans has remained quite high. The country is a key part of the rising strategic competition between the U.S. and China in the region, Paraguay remains one of a dozen or so nations who still recognize Taiwan. It's a member of Mercosur, at a time when that bloc's future is in flux. Last Sunday, there was a presidential election, and it resulted in something that we hardly ever see anymore in Latin America. A victory by the ruling party, meaning that Santiago Peña, a young economist, will be the country's next president. We thought all of this would be a good opportunity to look at Paraguay in a regional context. Our guest is Julieta Heduvan, a Paraguayan foreign policy analyst and author of the recent book, Paraguay, Política Exterior e Integración Regional. Julieta, welcome to the AQ Podcast. Thank you for the invitation. Julieta, as I mentioned, a Paraguayan has just elected Santiago Peña, a 44-year-old who presents himself as the modern face of the Partido Colorado, which has been in power for all but five years in the last seven decades or so. What can you tell us about him? Well, Santiago Peña is an economist. He was the Minister of Finance, and he was good at it. He was educated in the U.S. That gives him a well-known name in Paraguay. But he's also the heir of the political heir of Horacio Cartes. So that has some controversy over what he can do or cannot do in his government. And just to note, I mean, Santiago Peña, a pretty fresh face. He's young, but at the same time, he represents, as you noted, Horacio Cartes, who was president during the mid-2010s and has been the subject of several corruption investigations, is also one of Paraguay's wealthiest businessmen. So I guess in that respect, it's a new face, but it's kind of an old face as well. Julieta, 
Paraguay is seen by its neighbors as something of a success story. You mentioned the number of Brazilians who live there. That is partly a reflection of kind of overlapping agriculture interests, but also the fact that Paraguay has grown at an average rate of about 4% in recent years. It's also attracted some migrants from Chile as well as Argentina. Does it seem like a success story when you're actually there, though? Because I know that, as always, there's more to this story. Inequality remains quite high. Climate has been an issue in recent years. How does the country feel at the moment? Well, the macroeconomic situation has been very good in recent years with low taxes that serve as an incentive for Argentine and Uruguay entrepreneurs that seek to invest without too many obstacles in Paraguay. However, the macroeconomic situation does not spill over into the real economy. And this means that there are a lot of informality rates and poverty that has no solution so far. Unemployment is a concern of populations, and there is still a large debt in the provision of basic services. There is 27% of poverty, of which 40% of it is rural, and the macroeconomic growth is a good indicator, but there is still much to be done in the fight against inequality. So if the situation on the ground is not perceptibly improving for many Paraguayans, what explains the victory of the ruling party? People prefer the status quo over the uncertainty. They know how to deal in their daily life with something they know. And if the opposition and the other parties don't give them something that is certain, that is something consistent, that feels right for the daily life, they're not going to win. So I think that is what the Colorado Party gives them. They give them stability and they know how to survive with this kind of government. But the uncertainty is, is hard for them. Daily life routine where informality is so big and the other candidates does not give them some insurance to their life. Does the fact that Paraguay broke this anti-incumbent streak that we saw elsewhere in the region mean that people are more satisfied with their politicians than in other spots in the region? Or does this just speak to the power of the Partido Colorado, which has with just one brief exception in the late 2000s, held power in Paraguay for the last 70 years. Well, I think that there is a lot about the power of the Colorado Party in Paraguay, but the trends have some part of similarities with the region. Mostly if we think about their candidate that won a lot of votes this election, who is Paraguayo Cubas, Pajokuas, maybe, probably, if we talk about a trend towards conservative or right-wing populism with this personality, and we can associate 
this with Bolsonaro or Trump or Milley in Argentina. Pacho Cuba represents the leadership of an increasingly large group of people who do not feel identified with traditional politics or traditional politicians. One other prism that people have examined Paraguay through in the last months was through its relationship with Taiwan. Uh, of course, it's one of, I think, only about a dozen countries left in the world that recognizes Taiwan as the quote-unquote real China. How does this election result affect that stance? Are we just going to see the status quo? And, and how easy is that for a country that produces so much soy and may be missing out in some ways on the export bonanza to mainland China and all the investment that we've seen from Beijing elsewhere in the region? The Colorado Party has been historical ally of Taiwan and Santiago Peña has affirmed that he will continue to sustain these relations during his term in office. However, there are economic sectors that are increasingly dissatisfied with this. Taiwan has focused mainly on financial and technical cooperation with scholarships, donations to public entities and even financing the construction of the Congress. However, investments in Paraguay are scarce and only in recent years has there been an increase in imports of agricultural and livestock products, mainly meat and soybean, which is one of the major complaints of the economic elites. The economic sectors have been pushing for years for a change of recognition due to the enormous potential of the Chinese market. And this should also be understood in a context in which the opening of new markets and the growth of exports have become the main guideline of Paraguay's current foreign policy. And therefore, beyond the affinity of the Colorado Party with Taiwan, the new government will also have to negotiate greater benefit with Taiwan in order to satisfy these large economic sectors that lead trade and international relations in Paraguay. Is there a chance that President-elect Peña changes his mind on this issue sometime during his term? I don't think that there's a chance to change the recognition. Although the, there are a lot of things to improve in the relationship, because the biggest difference between what Taiwan and China can offer in terms of infrastructure projects and investment, Taiwan can't compete against China on that. Taiwan invested an average of $4 million in development projects in Paraguay and $14 million in aid each year between 2005 and 2014. But the flow of trade is very low and currently it represents just 3% of Paraguay total trade. It doesn't sound to me like a sustainable situation. No, but Paraguay favors Taiwan for additional reasons. There is a historical relationship between the Colorado Party and they also affirm that the relationship is due to the democratic foundations that Taiwan has. And also they say that the possibility of negotiating on an equal footing with Taiwan as an equal 
between in both states, it's better with Taiwan. And they fear that they will not be able to do that with China. I want to talk about the relationship with the United States. It's been complicated. And we published an article recently in America's Quarterly by Benjamin Gadan, in which he discussed some of the recent U.S. allegations of corruption in Paraguay and specifically involving the ruling party, the Colorado Party. How do you expect that relationship to evolve now with a new administration that in some ways offers a fresh start, but in other ways it will be many of the same faces that have been front and center with some of this talk over the last few years? Well, the relationship between U.S. and Paraguay has historically been characterized by a solid alignment of Paraguay to the interests of United States. And this relationship has a pragmatic incentive with mutual benefits, although they are asymmetrical. In this way, the U.S. has a strategic ally in South America and Paraguay obtains financial and technical cooperation. But as being Santiago Peña, the designated political heir to Horacio Cartes, the relations with U.S. may become a little more complex than before. Keeping in mind, just to remind our audience that so much of the U.S. scrutiny on some of these corruption issues has been focused on President Cartes, whereas Peña is a new face, presumably this is the same core group of politicians who will still continue to run the country. Yes. So although Peña has repeatedly announced his intentions to maintain the relation with United States the same, and the Colorado Party shows its distrust to the U.S. And on the other hand, if Santiago Peña is not very cooperative with investigations or prosecution of those accused of corruption by the U.S. government, as could happen with Cartes, the U.S. could deepen sanctions and have a more regular intervention in that regard. This could have repercussions, as happened with the non-invitation of Honduras and Guatemala to some democratic summits. So why, in your mind, from a Paraguayan perspective, is the U.S. pushing hard on some of these corruption-related issues, keeping in mind that in other respects, Paraguay has been such a strong strategic ally of Washington's in the region? How do you reconcile that, again, from a Paraguayan point of view? I think that the U.S. decisions to put Paraguay's domestic policy in check has a similarity with what U.S. foreign policy do in Central America. And this involvement of the United States in the internal politics of states through visa restrictions, financial sanctions, and extraditions has been more common in recent years in countries such as Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, and Panama. But it has not been common policy for South America, if we exclude the exceptional case of Venezuela. And to me, as a foreign policy analyst, I think that this is a change of strategy. What we are currently seeing is a kind of central Americanization of U.S. 
foreign policy towards Paraguay. So we've talked about the relationship with China. We've talked about the relationship with the United States. Now I want to talk about Paraguay's relationships with the rest of South America and particularly its neighbors. President-elect Peña will be front and center in these ongoing negotiations with the Brazilian government over the Itaipu Dam, which I have to say, as an outsider, sometimes it's hard to emphasize just how important Itaipu is to both Paraguay and Brazil in terms of the amount of energy that it provides, the amount of revenue. Can you talk a little bit about why that's important and how you expect it to evolve over the next couple of years? Well, relation with Brazil will surely continue to be as good as it's now. Paraguay and Brazil tend to have a very fluid relation because they have a lot of common issues. There are more than 180 companies with Brazilian capital in Paraguay. They have main infrastructure projects under development, such as bridges and roads. Very relevant Brazilian migration in Paraguay. And they also share the Taipu Dam. And the negotiation of Taipu will be one of the main foreign policy issues this year. The NXC deals with the sale of energy from Paraguay to Brazil, which usually it is at a lower price than the market sells it. So Paraguay does not have the great benefit from the sales of energy. So now with the Annex C, Paraguay is looking to have better terms in this, but this will cost more to Brazil. So, well, it's going to be a hard negotiation for Paraguay, especially because that is a very asymmetrical relations between Paraguay and Brazil. But they have the precedent that during the, the governments of Fernando Lugo and Lula da Silva, the negotiation resulted in a quite beneficial agreement for Paraguay. Lula needed a boost in its leadership in a regional level, and that came from regional integration and stability. However, it is difficult to know whether such satisfactory agreement will be reached because the regional context is not favorable. Lula does not have the same domestic support as in the past. And so far, the Colorado Party's Itaipu negotiating team has not been as good. And tell me, what about on these other broad questions of regional integration? I mean, is it conceivable that President-elect Peña could pursue membership in UNASUR as that's been a project of Lula's on efforts to perhaps expand the Mercosur trade block? I mean, does this change the calculus at all, or will it be more of the status quo? The continuity of the Colorado Party implies the distribution of left and right-wing forces in the region remains the same. Nonetheless, this should not be regarded as a highly relevant aspect given that Paraguay's general alignments revolves around two poles, the United States and Mercosur, with ideological alignments playing a minor role in Paraguay's foreign policy in recent years. Well, regarding Mercosur, Peña would follow the same lines of the current government, that is, to promote the strengthening and unity of Mercosur, reject 
Uruguay's proposal of flexibilization and new shading with third countries individually, such as the free trade agreement that Uruguay wants to do with China. In addition, I think that the Peña's government will promote the designing of more free trade agreements from the Mercosur and will try to promote the design of the agreement with the European Union. And I think that definitely Paraguay will seek to be part again of the UNASUR. I don't have doubts about that. In terms of regional integration, Peña has expressed his interest in advocating for regional unity. He promotes an integration without ideological trends. This includes the relations with Venezuela and Nicaragua and Cuba. Peña proposed to restore diplomatic relations with Venezuela. So I think that in Peña's government, we will see a more conciliatory and unified regional policy. What do you think will be the most important factor that determines whether Peña's presidency is a failure or a success? I think that the economic indicators are the key. People are mostly concerned about unemployment, about inequality, about the provision of basic services. And if the government can deal with that, I think that it will be kind of successful government. But it's a hard thing to do. Well, we have to <laughs> wait to see. It's hard to be president, I think, anywhere in the world right now, especially in Latin America. So I, I, I understand the challenges are, are big, but you have done a good job of walking us through all of them on the podcast today. Julieta, thanks so much for joining us on the AAQ podcast. No, thank you. It was great to be here. Thank you for listening to the America's Quarterly Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, give us a rating, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The America's Quarterly Podcast is produced by Luisa Franco and edited in partnership with Human Group Media.